Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is part three of a three-part series featuring excerpts from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on February 7, 2018, addressing the domestic implications and opportunities of U.S. tax reform for U.S. taxpayers. The panelists for the webcast were George Manousis, a PwC tax partner, focusing on accounting methods and general federal tax issues. Ann Cruz, a PwC tax partner also focusing on accounting methods. Maureen Pahachuk, a PwC tax partner focusing on state and local taxes. And Susan Lennon, a PwC tax managing director focusing on employee benefits and compensation. This podcast excerpt consists of a discussion between George and Susan on planning opportunities relating to employee benefits and compensation in light of U.S. tax reform. Susan, you've been sitting there patiently. Your turn is up. Exactly. We have lots of uh, new rules under the Act with respect to employee compensation. So let me hand it over to you to start uh, educating us on these new implications. Sure. Well, first of all, you know, compensation programs are no different than the other issues we've been talking about. There's still time to do significant tax planning and get a permanent uh, great reduction for 2017 uh, deduction. So... You know, there are some strategies that apply to all employers, and we'll get into the details, but pension contributions, IBNR deductions, foreign pension plans, which can also impact E&P studies. And then there are some benefit strategies that still remain for fiscal year employers, but uh, 1231 employers hopefully have already implemented them because it's a little too late. So one of the big things, pension contributions. Contributions can be made to qualified plans within eight and a half months after the end of the plan year and deducted for that prior year. So we've, this is not a new provision. This has, you know, been in existence for, for many years, but right now with the permanent rate reduction, companies are, have a unique opportunity to sit and, you know, a calendar year taxpayer can wait until September 15th to decide whether or not to make a contribution and deduct it in the prior year. So plenty of time for planning, plenty of time for implementing other uh, strategies and to see where your tax position is. Do I want to deduct it last year? Do I want to deduct it this year? So an incredible opportunity for companies to take a little time to plan with respect to their pension contributions. Now, again, there are a multitude of things to think about. Great to say you can make a contribution. Where do you get the cash from? So you can get some cash from operations. Are you bringing money in offshore? A number of companies made significant contributions last year, anticipating that tax reform would pass effective last year, and borrowed to fund those contributions. Well, we just talked about the interest expense deduction. So this is something that you're going to need to look at various parts of your tax return, various parts of your business, to decide if I want to make a contribution and how to make it. So, you know, and then other companies are thinking about, well, maybe I'll put uh, company-owned real estate into plans or use stock contributions. Those types of contributions tend to be more complicated, more analysis. You You may need to go to the Department of Labor and get an exemption. So that's some, you know, that will start eating into the eight and a half months, you know, post year end. So a great thing to think about, great opportunity, but it's not as simple as just, you know, well, maybe it is for some companies, simple as writing the check and handing it to the plan. 
Susan, can you clarify one thing on the point on the bottom left there? They have up until eight and a half months. So if I'm a calendar year 2017 year end, I can make my contribution within eight and a half months. My return is due now nine and a half months. So there is, we don't follow that same nine and a half month rule for the contribution limits. Right. Great point, George. Uh, Section 404A6 is what people refer to as the grace period deduction rule. You know, the general rule is I get my deduction when the cash hits the plan. So I make a contribution today, I get a deduction, you know, in this tax year. 404A6 says if you make a contribution that's on account of the prior year and you make it by your tax return due date, you can claim it in that prior year, which would sound like, all right, my new corporate filing deadline is, you know, for a calendar year plan is October 15th. I have until October 15th. But the on account of rule means that the plan has to be able to treat that contribution on its form 5500 for the prior year. And that timing rule is eight and a half months. That didn't change when the tax return due date gotcha. changed. So it's really an eight and a half month rule, not your tax return due date. Gotcha. Very, very important. Let's not have a foot fault on that one. <laughs> no, no. You could foot fault last year and still deduct it. For <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Don't exactly. Foot fault your fiscal year. Calendar year taxpayer. September 15th is your <laughs> deadline. Susan, keep on going here with medical IBNR. Sure. So IBNR is another, it's probably smaller in dollars than a pension, but it's another deduction that can still be claimed from last year for calendar year taxpayers. And IBNR is you know, an employee receives medical services either as part of the plan or workers' compensation, and I've incurred that obligation to pay in 2017, but the, you know, the doctor doesn't bill, the insurance company doesn't bill the company until sometime in 18. I always tell clients, you know, my New Year's Eve trip to the ER with one of my children. They've received, you know, treatment. The doctor in the hospital is entitled to payment, but they don't sit there on New Year's Eve and send the bills out. That comes sometime in the beginning of 18. IBNR can be deducted. It, again, takes some planning. Normally, companies just, you know, they get the bill, they pay it, they deduct it in 18. But for payment, for, for bills received, generally during the two-and-a-half-month period, can be deducted in the prior year. It may require an actuarial review of claims. So, again, there's some maybe some work to do. But it can be significant, especially for the, you know, the permanent rate reduction. Right. So. And two points here. Generally, this is a method change. You're changing the timing of it. That is an automatic change in method of accounting. The last point there, very important. Traditionally, people think about just doing this for their active employees. Mm -hmm. You can do it for your retired employees. You can also do it for your portion of your workers' comp reserve. Normally, a payment liability, but we can get the actual reports the lag reports, if you will, right. and pull out the portion for the, uh, for the injured employees as well. So a lot of opportunities with medical IBNR. Right. Okay. Wanted to touch on foreign plans. You know, we had the web class last week about the foreign implications. Tax deductions under Section 404 Cap A. 404, normally, if, if I'm a U.S. parent company, I've got a subsidiary overseas, I have a pension plan overseas, the Traditional rule is you don't get your deduction until those participants, those foreign employees, start drawing down their pensions. So there's a huge lag. I have to put the money in now. I don't get a deduction for maybe decades. What 404A allows is for the, the foreign plan to be put on more of a U.S. deduction 
when the cash goes in the plan, I get a deduction. It also allows for a deduction based on the increased uh, accrual for that expense. You know, and we, we've talked about this in E&P. Those numbers can be huge. So now is the perfect opportunity to take a look if you have foreign plans. Have you made a valid 404A election? It is a method change. You need to to go through those mechanics. And we have some clients who made method changes years ago, and I, you know they don't follow it. So what do we do then? You know, so this is an area that's going to have to be looked at. It tends to be a significant part of E&P. So something to take a look at you know, as we're, we're going through this other analysis. Yep. And in the method change regard, non-automatic method change right. uh, with that. So calendar year 2017 companies, not an opportunity right now. Fiscal year taxpayers with foreign uh, pension plans, still an opportunity for this. One other item, you know, the IRS issued a revenue ruling last year that's normally you uh, would take this into account in a single year. And now they've changed it to say whether it's a positive or negative adjustment, it's a 15-year uh, adjustment period. Interesting. So, so with the 4 to 1A adjustment, historically favorable one year, unfavorable four years, this right. is 15 years regardless. Right. Gotcha. Right. Perfect. So it is going to bleed out that benefit, but still. Gotcha. Okay. So we've got some tax planning that's still available for fiscal year employers. Bonus payments. You know, we've, we've, we spent a lot of time over the holidays talking to clients about bonus payments. If you've got your traditional plan that says your employees have to be there on the payment date, you can use a bonus pool to accelerate the deduction into uh, this fiscal year. It generally requires some board action. It may require some minor plan amendments. So again, it's something to be thinking about. We're talking to a number of clients with February fiscal years to try to get these uh, steps in place. Vivas. Vivas are, you know, tends to be standalone trusts. They're voluntary employee benefit associations, formally. Uh, one of the main uses for VIVAs now are to fund retiring medical expenses. Under some case law with Wells Fargo, you can uh, deduct contributions to a VIVA over the estimated working life of your employees. Well, if you think of someone's retired, they have no working life. And so what Wells Fargo and some other companies did was put a lot of money into Aviva for their retiree medical and take a current deduction. Courts upheld that. So if you're a fiscal year taxpayer and you haven't put all of your money into your pension plan and you've got a significant retiree, liability, retiree medical liability, this is something to consider. So this would give you an accelerated deduction, deduction. over the IBNR where you have to wait for the services to be performed. Right. This is basically cash basis, deduct when it's funded. Right. It's Year-end funding? We have an eight-and-a-half-month rule for this? No, year-end funding. Year-end funding, okay. So fiscal year taxpayers, if you want to do it, you have to do it by the end of your fiscal year. Mm -hmm. All right, finally, 162M. Yes, Lots end of changes. with the, the happy planning. Yes, okay. exactly. save the best for last, right? <laughs> okay, under the, the, the Tax Act made significant changes and broadened the scope of 162M and narrowed the exceptions. So traditionally, 162M was a $1 million limit on compensation paid to your CEO and the three officers who are on the proxy because they are the most highly compensated. Uh, there was a lot of planning. You had to be in that role on the last day of the tax year. So there was a lot of planning about paying people out after they separated. 
and there was a significant exclusion to the $1 million limit for something called qualified performance-based compensation. So performance-based cash plans, performance-based stock plans, stock options, the deduction for those payments were not subject to the $1 million limit if you met certain requirements. Under new 162M, it broadened the scope of the individuals who are subject to this limit to include the CEO at any time during the tax year. So if you have more than, you know, if one CEO retires, you have a new one, both of those individuals are now covered employees. The CFO was brought back into the, the definition of covered employees. It established a once a covered employee, always a covered employee. So these individuals who are your covered employees now that million-dollar limit will apply to compensation paid to them while they're in service, after they separate, and if they die and you continue to make payments, it applies to those payments as well. It then expanded the definition of publicly held corporations to include foreign corporations who trade in the United States through ADRs and U.S. corporations who aren't trading stock but have public debt. And finally, it eliminates the exclusion for qualified performance-based compensation. So on a go-forward basis, the million-dollar limit applies to all compensation, with exceptions like qualified plan contributions, but it's basically all compensation paid to these individuals, no matter the form of it. There are some transition rules for written binding contracts that were in existence on November 2nd, 2017, and that can become very important as, we, as this plays out. Currently, Public companies have to think about the impact on their DTAs for, you know, compensation. Are they, you know, will they pass this written binding contract rule or are they going to have to write down DTAs? On a broader scale, you know, a lot of compensation was crafted to meet this exception. Well, if I don't have the exception, maybe companies will think about going to less strictly, you know, quantifiable financial metrics in deciding how they're going to pay their executives. Balance that with the say-on-pay requirements and proxies and whether shareholders will be happy if the compensation is less traditionally performance-based. Okay. So we're, we're going to see how all this plays out. Susan, we have about 30 seconds left. If we can just maybe touch sure. on the fringe benefits and moving, and then we'll do sure. our last polling questions, and we'll wrap it up. Sure. Quickly, one thing that you know hasn't gotten a lot of press are uh, two things, actually. Moving expenses no longer deductible by the payor, taxable income to the individual, qualified uh, transportation expense, carpools, uh, metro passes, they're not deductible anymore. We have some clients who have huge budgets for moving expenses and that they're no longer deductible. And we've already begun to see companies thinking about, you know, people talk about workforce of the future. Am I going to move somebody if it's only for a year or two years or three years? Maybe I'll leave them here. They can work virtually. Do I want to pay for transportation? Maybe I'll, you know, consider again having a more virtual workforce. So two kind of items that didn't get a lot of press may have significant impact on how businesses structure their, their workforce in the future. Interesting. Not only impacts the corporations, but individuals as well. Correct. These provisions. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Take care.